there. This is Jocelyn from Best Cancer is Boring, and I've just appeared out of thin air into your ears to do a little prelude to this week's episode, which is really, really good. There's just a bit of an issue with the sound that I kind of want to talk through before we begin. We have a guest this week. Her name's Jade Ortega, and she's an amazing guest, and I don't want the sound quality, which is completely my fault, to distract you in any way from her awesome message. Also, I got a new soundboard, and that's why there are sound effects. Um, Low-key obsessed with it. It's not... The sound effects are not, like, so great that I should be this excited about it. But I can't tell you the... Uh, <laughs> The psychological effect that it has on me uh, right now, since we're not allowed to be around people, to have sound effects like this. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm funny. Yeah. I know. Stop. Okay. All right. Calm down, everybody. And then have sound effects like this. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. And then sometimes, if I'm really lonely, I'll do this thing where I tell a joke, and then I'll let them laugh. <laughs> and then I'll just kind of pretend that that then escalated into clapping, because it was such a good joke. <sighs> anyway, enough about me and my neuroses. Back to the matter at hand. The sound on this week's podcast is not great, and as the uh, producer and sound guy and, you know, chief engineer of this spaceship we're all on, uh, that is my fault. And I don't want it to detract from Jade's message, because she's an excellent guest and she's got some really important things to say. So as I was editing this and becoming really frustrated with the sound quality, and there's like this low kind of hum going on, almost like, well, I'm going to tell you what it's like, because here's, here's what I would like you to imagine. Instead of imagining that somewhere in someone's room a fan was going that needed to be going so that a computer didn't catch on fire, but also kind of invaded the sound, also due to completely unknown factors, there's random echoes that kind of just show up. Um, so instead of seeing that as an issue, I'd like you to imagine that Jade and Lauren and I, and yourself if you like to go there with us, all are meeting on a beach. And the whirring sound that you kind of hear in the background are either just one big continuous wave going in and out on the shore. And it's a really nice day. It's not hot and it's like sunset, so we're not getting burned. We all have little jackets on, but it's cool. Uh, it, it's warm enough. It's cool enough for a jacket. It's warm enough that you can still put your feet in the water, just barely. At the same time that we're on the beach having this great post-pandemic, post-vaccine, um, post-non-apocalypse future together, we are sitting in this particular spot in the beach that is directly adjacent to the fabric of space and time. 
And as the breeze flows, that fabric kind of billows in toward us. And in those times when we get too close to this gateway to a tangent universe, that is when the echo occurs. And that's just science. So, um, to review, during this podcast, take a journey with us. Sit on the beach, put your feet in the water. Have a little warm drink with you and enjoy the fluttering of the fabric of time and the stadium-like echo that occurs. Does that sound doable to all of you? That's crickets. All right. Okay. I'm going to all right. You know what? We're just going to get to it. Um, please enjoy this episode. And, uh, yeah, here we go. Okay, I'm ready to. Yes. Ah! Well, okay. Welcome to Breast Cancer is Boring with Lauren, my illustrious co host. <laughs> Hello. Hello. And me. And today we have a special guest, Jade Ortega, famous Instagram model, blogger. Oh. Welcome to the pod. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And it's really exciting to be able to see you. I know the listeners can't see you, but it's nice to see the faces of the people, the girls that I love listening to. You yes. guys got through the early phase. Actually, I mean, throughout this whole treatment that I'm going through, you guys really got me through that. And it was, it's always fun to listen to you. And I feel like you're like my girlfriends, but I'm just meeting yes. you. For the time. <laughs> it's really it's neat really for me. Cool. Thank you. Thank it's so, so good to hear that. Honestly, um, we put this out, and I remember the first time we had a comment on Apple Podcasts, and my friend, who's a lot more savvy with that stuff, she was like, you got a comment. And then I had this very, like, visceral reaction. I was like, oh, my God, real people are listening to this. And I, I panicked, and I wouldn't look at it for, like, hours. And then, and then it got the better of me. And then I remember texting you, Lauren, and being like, people are listening. I know. And I was panicking too. I was, I thought, oh, oh my gosh, real people. wonder yeah. what we sound like. You guys sound <laughs> great. You guys sound great. And, and, and I feel like the times that I've listened to, I mean, every time that I've listened to, I feel like it's like girlfriends coming over and we're just chatting. So yeah, um, I just applaud you for just being just out there because I think that I mean I know that vulnerability really got to me and I of all the podcasts that I searched for like yours is the one that just felt more re most real mm. and um, I know it it's, it's it can be scary to just put yourself out there but you know it's you have made such a difference in my life in just sharing your stories that um, it's you know, even if you feel vulnerable, just know that you ladies are just doing a great thing and not just for me, but for all those women and families and friends that are listening out there. So uh, 
I think cool. it's really great. Girl, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hot flash for me. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I can't take it. Um, well, thank you so much for that. It's really, I mean, our whole purpose was to hopefully reach somebody. And that's really cool to hear from you. Oh, yeah. Um, it means a lot. I'm not the only one. So I'm so, I, I'm so thankful. Jade, you're here because I was really drawn to your Instagram, which, you know, there's like a number of Instagram accounts out there that you can follow women living with breast cancer. But you talked about like being like real and just feeling like you were. I felt like I like knew you just through that and then reading your blog and um, then I just kind of slid into your DMs and I was like, hey, you should be on the show. I got so excited when I got that message. I was so nervous. I thought about it for like a like a week. I was like, is she's gonna think I'm so weird, like just doing this? But I I just was like, I really I wanna hear what she has to say. It just that became more important than my own kind of hesitation. And I don't really know social media. I don't know how to do it really. And I thought, I don't know if this is anyway, I just reached out and I was like, you know what? I hope she doesn't feel pressured or anything like that. And you were just like, absolutely. And I was so excited. No, so. It, it didn't feel creepy at all. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it was, I, I was, ex, I was, ex, I mean, I was nervous and excited when you reached out, but I knew that when I started this whole thing or even just as I was going through trying to figure out what my diagnosis was, I just knew that I needed, the only way that this was going to matter is if I was going to be able to share my story somehow. And everybody's story is different, but just sharing um, and being really open and transparent, I think, you know, it just needs to help one person. It just needs to give one person encouragement. And that's, I couldn't say no to that as much as I was nervous. I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm cool enough for this podcast. I don't know if my story is like (laughs) going to be that good. Is it going to be like everybody else? And, And then I was like, whatever, like it just needs to just be out there. And if it's just one person, I'll do it, you know, you know. And that is exactly what we're going to do today. And I'm really excited. So before we get into your story, your unique perspective on this, Jade, um, we're going to do a little exercise that I've been looking forward to. And it's something I like to call an airing of the grievances. I feel like, I feel like the, the, the global pandemic has unfairly taken away from me the right to complain about very small things. And, and justly so, I think, you know, we can all kind of get over ourselves and, and, and be practice some altruism and be good for, for everyone. But in this moment, I would like to just pretend like that doesn't exist. And I want to complain about I want to just give us each space to complain about one small petty thing that's really annoying us right now. I love it. I will start. I'll put myself out there first. My complaint is I feel like my Kindle has no idea who I am as a person. (laughs) 
And there is no reason for that to be the case because I, I leave every breadcrumb I possibly can for this device. Like, I feel like I talk about something like I'll talk about, I need a new face moisturizer. And then the next time I open my phone and search for something, an ad on the side is like for face moisturizer. I know my phone is listening to me. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's taking all of the information that in and of itself is creepy, but my Kindle knows every single book that I have read over the last, how long have I had it? Like five years. And yet when I wake it up and I have the one with advertisements, like when you wake it up, there's like a book advertised on before you swipe to open it. And the advertisements in no way speak to me as a reader. The last one, the last one was for a book called, it's, it's like these books that are, I, I made this title up, but this is very consistent with the books it's trying to sell me. The Pirate's Mate, a high seas romance. Like, oh it's trying to sell me these, like, Harlequin novels, and I don't understand <laughs> what in my reading history has led it to think, like, this is something I want to read about. The last few books I've read were The Vagina Bible. Before maybe that, I, maybe that's what they they're have. taking like snippets of like like the, the titles and putting into like the search. Okay, did I just solve my own mystery here? Well, before that, I read Less, which is a great book. It's a Pulitzer Prize winner, uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Before that, it was just a bunch of um, female-driven YA fantasy fiction, basically like. Uh. People with magic, because that's really great escapism. And before that, about four Bronte novels in a row. Wow. Actually, as I'm describing this, I can now see, yeah, if my Kindle is going off of that, I guess, huh. Okay, I think I'm answering. It is very different, though, from what you've been reading, though, which is funny. Isn't it? It's random. It's random and it doesn't know me at all. And I feel like, you know, if my own Kindle doesn't know who I am, how can I be known at all? (laughs) Anyway, that's mine. Um, Jade, I want you to complain next. Me? Yes. Well, right now, everything that I have to complain about all has to deal with, like, cancer and treatment. (laughs) You're kidding. I'm... And I... I mean, I think it's petty, uh, I guess. Um, my hair, you know, I'm I'm one infusion away from my last chemo, which is Tuesday. Oh, and it's amazing. my hair has started growing, which is great. I mean, I'm losing my eyebrow. I mean, my eyebrows have to be drawn in. I have no lashes, but my hair is starting to grow. Um, I have like a little peach fuzz, but it's growing in a... a you know, male pattern baldness in reverse, where it's yes. just kind of growing yes. the sideburns first and then the back. And that kind of bugs me. I mean, I guess I just had this image that it would just kind of grow evenly. And, mm. but no, it's and not even patchy. It's just sideburns and the back and uh, not pretty. Um, that is a real thing, girl. Is it, yes. so that's something yes. you don't hear about. I, I don't hear about it. I would hear about, you know, the hair loss and dealing with that, but not so much about how weird the hair grows back. Oh. Or, yeah. I mean, Jocelyn had a really amazing hairline. 
for a minute. Yeah. I called it my modern day Bruce Willis. <laughs> yes. Because th- it's exactly what that's like. Yeah. Uh-huh. I never had a great, beautiful, bald head. And the part of my head that was bald was it, it got these um, sores on it uh, oh. that were very painful. And then when once they resolved and went away, it, it was still like um, like the acne scars, you know, that, that you can get. So I had that the whole time. Uh-huh. And then my, when my hair started growing back, it, it grew back in that male pattern baldness situation. Yeah, yeah. And I was pretty devastated by that because that is not what I had anticipated. I anticipated being able to walk around bald. Like I wanted to, to do that. I wanted to make that statement of like, this needs to be socially acceptable. And I just couldn't take it far enough to walk around with like, Bruce Willis acne head. I just couldn't that's, do that, it. That's that's how I feel too. I mean, it's summer, so it's just been so hot. And when I'm at home, you know, I will just take it, you know, take whatever I'm wearing off. Um, but, you know, you say Bruce Willis, I say for me, it's kind of like that Danny DeVito. <laughs> like that's the image I have. And I don't think my, my family thinks that, but when I take off whatever I'm wearing, that's what I see. And so... Yeah. I'm tempted to kind of shave it all off again, but it's, it's just going to grow that way. I think. So I just have to get over it. You know what? I would go, that is not petty. I would go even Mm -hmm. more petty than that with you. Like my, my like grievance for you right now is the fact that you have a very strong lip game you just know what color to wear. It's sometimes matte, sometimes like I just see a lot of pictures of you with like a really good strong lip, and I love it. And the fact that you have to wear a mask everywhere just kind of nullifies that, and that is so unfair, especially you know? when like that's that's what you got, you know. That's, that's true. I mean, I've always been a lipstick, lip gloss kind of person, and that's kind of one of the things that I, I did think about when I'd have to put on a mask and I still get ready and dressed every morning, no matter how I feel. Um, and that whole thing with like putting on the mask and seeing like my lipstick in the mask, that's kind of gross to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But um, thank you for that. I, I, I don't think I, I mean, I, 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 that's not the first thing I think about when I look at my Instagram, but I, but no, now that we're talking about it, yeah, I do like, makeup and lip sticks and lip glosses Mm -hmm. it's good it's a strong game you have there so Mm -hmm. uh lauren hearing it be 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 petty as petty as you can wow man there's a lot (laughs) (laughs) i would say um so my petty grievance and um has a little bit more to do with this heat. Um, mm. I think that um, I get like, you know, uh, where I work is really cold. So I try to go outside to warm up every once in a while. And now instead of it being like a nice de thawing that I have, it's like almost an immediate like back sweat, you know, mm. and, um, mm. and then you know, under the mask, like moisture. Luckily, yeah. nobody can see my, like, the sweat on my upper lip. Think. Maybe that's a good thing. I, I 
no. <laughs> but um, now I get like, you know, I of course I'm aging, and I get like sweat lines where my fine line wrinkles are. It's mm-hmm. really, it's it's not a good look. It's totally bummer. And then are you, do you still get hot flashes? Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's, I, that's, I'm in the middle of that. So between the scarf that I'm wearing on my head and the mask that I have on Mm -hmm. and and all the dripping and sweating, it's uncomfortable. It's almost like panic inducing. Yes. At work and I have to wear a mask a hundred percent of the time at work. I work in a hospital and you'll get a hot flash and you feel like you need to rip that mask off because you feel oh, yeah. like you're just going to burn alive. And, oh, my goodness. And there's no escaping it. You don't know when it's going to happen. There's no escaping. You're just in it, and you just have to write it out. Yes, exactly. It's mm-hmm. it's hard out there for a woman fighting breast cancer. Yes. 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 Um, well, Jade, let's get to know you. What what's your origin story? How did you become a superhuman fighting breast cancer? Oh, oh gosh! So, um, so it's all very recent. I'm in the middle of treatment, and the first time this all started in December, um, December 18, I was lying in bed, getting ready, you know, getting ready to go to sleep, and I just had been I've been feeling sore in like my arm and underarm area for a while and I thought that it had been the workouts that I was doing but it happened to be that that week I hadn't been doing workouts and I didn't know why I was sore but I was massaging that area and um, to the right outside part of my right breast I just felt kind of a thickening and it alarmed me and I was like what's that? And kind of felt around even more. And then I I just shot up in bed and was like, I had never noticed that before. And is that for real? And am I imagining things? And just kind of felt around it. And it just felt really different and something that I that had that I thought hadn't been there before. And so I got up and and looked at myself in the mirror and noticed that there was, you know, the the signs that you would look for in breast cancer, which is like retracting and dimpling. And I wasn't sure if that's really what it was. I just knew that it just felt large. I would say probably the size of a lime, which is alarming because how could I miss that? And um, definitely panicked. And I actually even had my head, I woke him up. I'm like, do you feel that? And how could you miss that too? And he, he was just <laughs> half asleep and he's like, uh, I don't even feel anything. Or yeah, I feel that. And I just couldn't sleep. I was just panicking. And I hadn't had my mammogram um, ske- scheduled for that year, uh, which was last year. But I had seen my primary care provider that May and she had done a full exam and didn't feel anything there. Um, wow. The next day, I, um, let's see what happened. I actually had to go to work. So I was at work, and that same night, I had to go to work at night. So I did almost like a 24-hour shift. I work in a hospital. And while I was at work, I was doing what I think is normal for me, which is search everything. 
Um, I have access to you know, articles and I think like you, um, Jocelyn, up to date. You know, so I was up all night um, looking and searching and even more paranoid about what I was feeling because I had a, I knew that it wasn't normal and I knew that it was probably cancer, but I also know that I put my, I, I kind of jump ahead and I tend to be more worried about things than I should be. And so I wasn't quite sure what to really, what to really think. I mean, I, I had a bad feeling. I didn't have any confirmation. So what felt right was just to research and look things up in Google. And that next morning at the end of my shift, one of the OBGYNs that I work with, is who is also a good friend, I just kind of alerted it out to her. I pulled her aside and I said, hey, this is what I feel what do you think? And as I was telling her this, what I was feeling and describing it to her, I can kind of see tears kind of forming in her eyes. And that worried me even more. And and she's like, do you want me to take a look? And I was like, no, 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 you know, you're starting your shift. And I, I just want you to be my friend right now. Don't worry. I'll, you know, let me just tell me what to do next. And she was like, you know, you need to bug your primary provider all day today, try to get in. And I did, you know, I, I slept probably three hours that morning and I was able to get into the last appointment slot that day. And I had expected her to just kind of look at me and say, oh, no, I think it's fine. It's probably nothing. But as soon as she was examining me, you know, she, you know, she kind of looked and she's like, oh, yeah, I see. I see what you're talking about. I see the asymmetry in your breasts. I see the dimpling. I feel that mass. And um, and as she's, you know, telling me this, I'm just like, oh, I was just hoping she would say that I was overreacting. But her worried continued my worried worry and she we ended up getting a diagnostic mammogram and it took a while because of course that appointment was Friday at the end of the day and you still have to wait for insurance authorization so even that following Monday had to wait and I finally got in that diagnostic mammo probably an ultrasound like the following Friday so a whole week afterwards oh my wow yeah, so that took a while, and and that whole that was just an emotional roller coaster. Longest week ever. Yes, where you're just where I was just I knew that it was bad, but I didn't want to like go be worried too much because nothing was confirmed. But I just had that feeling, and that Friday, so I had the diagnostic mammo again on a Friday, and um, as they were doing the mammogram, the ultrasound or the mammogram tech you know you know she was very cheerful and as soon as I was undressing she well the first thing she said she's like well how long have you been you know feeling this and I said well it's been about a week since I first felt it and then I undressed and she was like oh honey how I want you know what did she say no I was undressing and she said she kind of looked at me with kind of like sad eyes and she was like, oh, honey, how long has this been there? And I said, oh, no, I've been feeling it for just about a week. And immediately she was just like, oh, you know, you have this great smell. You're going to just get through this. And I was just like, you're telling, I mean, I, she with her sad eyes and cheerful 
kind of <laughs> comments, I was like, I, do you know something that I don't know? And, and I was trying so hard not to cry because again, I was just being evaluated nothing was confirmed and her cheerfulness just got to me. And I was just like, I am not going to cry here. I just, I'm not, we don't know anything yet. Why am I going to cry? And I think, was it Jocelyn? I think you had something similar. Yes. Yes. And yeah, that uh, moment is a oh horrible Jade, I have goosebumps. Because you know that that's the moment you know. Right. And your brain hasn't caught up with your, like your your conscious hasn't caught up with your subconscious, which is telling you. Yeah. And that was just surreal because I was just like, well, we don't know yet. But she just probably had been doing this for decades and could tell that this wasn't normal either. And so I sat and waited um, after they did the mammogram and then they sent me into the room for the breast ultrasound and the ultrasound tech. It was just really just taking her time and just looking at the screen, doing measurements. I was trying to figure out what I was looking at and I couldn't tell. And she was just really quiet. And by then I already kind of knew that there was an issue that was happening. And then um, she said, you know, I really need to have the radiologist look at this. Uh, he'll be, he'll come in here in a few minutes. And, and he did. And, uh, you know, he just was like, yep, there's something there. And what I wanted to hear was like, yes, it's cancer. Like, I just wanted it. Then. <laughs> like, this is cancer. Yeah. Um, but he's like, well, we don't know. We won't know until we do the biopsy. We can't do the biopsy today. And all I kept thinking is, was, I need to know. I mean, tell me anything. You know, what do you think? And he mm-hmm. then said, I, will be, I would be surprised if this isn't cancer. And I was like, okay, here. And then um, I walked out of there, and um, I think that was probably the first time I cried, even though I didn't know for sure. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, we needed that biopsy and that, and in order to get the biopsy, I still needed insurance authorization. And again, that took a while. And so that was the end of December. So this is all during the holidays, um, which made things really hard for me and just to try to enjoy that those times with my family. And then um, on New Year's Eve, that morning, they squeezed me in to get um, the biopsy done. And I... I had um, the ultrasound, they had to do another ultrasound as they were doing it. And I was asking the ultrasound tech, hey, can you kind of show me what you're looking at? I know you can't tell me what exactly that you're seeing or measuring, um, but can you kind of point things out? And um, I'm, I'm a certified nurse midwife and I do a lot of ultrasounds, but they're pregnancy ultrasounds and uterine ultrasounds. And I have no, I, I had no idea what I was looking at when she was ultrasounding my breast, but I had her point things out to me and I was like, ah, yeah, I, I don't see it. And she had used some terms that I just remember just that stuck to me. She's like, well, there's just this lobular shape and shadow. So I kind of took that note and I took, you know, that I re- recalled the image that I was seeing and they did the biopsy and then I ended up going home and waiting again but when I got home that night I of course or I think I had to work that night of course I was researching lobular cancer 
what that looks like, God. love for images. What does that look like? <laughs> oh, wow. Isn't right? it like great slash awful that we have access to these these databases like up to date, which have the most recent medical, it's like so much knowledge, but when you're doing it for yourself, it's just a terrifying amount of knowledge to it, have. It, it is. And yeah, I mean, it was great in that I was able to kind of foresee what was, what would have, what would be my course, but I don't know if it would, I don't know if it, it didn't really help me. It didn't really help no. me as far as calming me down at all. Mm-hmm. It just made, it just, I worried more and I was much more anxious. And I think even that day while I was waiting, before I even had the biopsy results, I was, I already put in like my journal because I journal a lot. And I wrote, I believe I have invasive lobular cancer. I believe that it is stage three. And I believe that... They're saying that there aren't any lymph nodes involved based on the ultrasound, but I feel like there will be lymph nodes involved. And I didn't get all of that information confirmed until a month later as far as um, my treatment and, and or the further testing that was done. But I, I got the official diagnosis on January 3, and they... And I got and I saw my team of care providers almost two weeks later, and they were all very optimistic as far as my diagnosis. You know, when I finally met my team, it was it was before you know the whole COVID nineteen. So my husband and my mom were both with me. Oh, good. Met, which was great. And I met my radiologist, my medical oncologist, and the breast surgeon all at once, which was great. And they all sort of laid out their plans and they were like, this is great. We caught it early. This is stage two. You know, let's just get this cancer out. And they just created this plan. They drew pictures and it was exciting. It was exciting. It was like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's be done. Yeah. But part of me, and my mom, they were, very, my mom was really optimistic, my husband, and they were like, this is great, this is great. But there was that part of me was like, I don't know, I feel like there's more to this. And just because I felt like, you know, even back prior to the official diagnosis that there was, that there was something else that was going to be found. So the original plan was to have... Um, to have the mastectomy and then from that point decide whether or not I need chemo, um, but for sure radiation. And then during that whole pre-op diagnostic test that they were doing, the MRI, the CT scans, the chest x-rays, during the MRI scan, they found that there was a reactive lymph node. And not only that, but my other breast, so the left breast, um, there was also two masses that they were unsure what that was. And so, oh. I know. And then when they found that, when my surgeon found that out, she's like, well, I, we need to figure out what that is because if it is cancer, then we will likely not do surgery. Depending on what your medical oncologist says, that says, you know, we might just, you might have to go through chemo. And so I went from going to, kind of prepping for surgery and then within five days like 
realizing that, I mean, within five days, changing that from needing chemotherapy and starting chemotherapy within five days. So that's kind of how things started. Wow. So you are finishing how many rounds of chemo? So 16. uh, The first four... Crazy to me. I know. So, oh. so four of the AC every three weeks, and then twelve of the Taxol, and on my last one next Tuesday. 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 How do you feel about that last one being Tuesday? I know. I am excited to be done. I, you know, this Taxol has been a lot easier on my body, though mm-hmm. I do feel a lot just more generalized fatigue. I, it's surreal to know that I'm going to be done because it's been like, it'll be like six months of chemo. Wow. Yeah. When I think about where, where I started to where I am now, it's just, I can't believe I got through it because <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> no kidding. It was really hard and that I'm still standing, that I'm still somehow optimistic and hopeful that I can still laugh at some things, that my humor has not been affected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just done. But then with being, I mean, you girls probably know this, but like when you're done with one thing, you can't help but think what's next and what's, what's going to be involved with that. So I've already looked into like, you know, the double mastectomy and having the drains and the re- radiation and reconstruction. Mm-hmm. So that's my next sort of obsession <laughs> is, is, is planning that out and, and thinking about all yeah. the scenarios. Man, I'm so excited that you're almost done. Uh, Me too. I, I think, I think Jocelyn and I can very clearly remember um, even though Jocelyn's was even more recent than mine, but that that last session, mm-hmm. although for me, I think I had, I felt like somebody was going to have to like drag me into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, which, I'm not going. Which treatment did you, were you on, Lauren? What, what chemo? Um, I had the um, carboplatin taxotere. Oh, yeah. Um, Perceptin Progetta. Yes, Perception Progetta. Yes. Mm-hmm. For six rounds, right? Uh, yes, I did. Because that was my exact one, too. And Yes. I, I remember feel, you and I had the same. Yes. I feel really, um, I feel as awful of as, as I've ever felt about six rounds of chemo in comparison to, like, I, I literally, I cannot wrap my head around having to have done any more than that. I started negotiating early on to cut that down. I was like, there's no way I can do six. And then once I finished the fifth one, I I started the negotiations with my oncologist saying, we don't really need this last one. You know what I mean? My counts are already super low and I feel like we've done the best we can do here. Like what's one more? We don't need it. We don't need it. And that's uh, how I felt with the adriamycin cytoxin. Like, I mean, oh, yes. that was the first four. And I was, they, I mean, I felt like I did have to be dragged 
into chemo and I was not very cheerful and I was miserable and you get a few good days right before. So you think, well, I feel great. Can we just skip this one and just can, you know, just extend this feeling because mm-hmm. it's a really dark place during that time. And yeah, I think, I don't, I don't know how it is for you guys with the receptin because that's not what I am on, but the Taxol has definitely been easy. Like I feel more like myself. Yeah. Thank goodness. I, yeah. I don't think anything I got compares to Adriamycin. That stuff is really, that is like, we used to just refer to that as like big guns chemo, you know, yes. like basically the agent orange of, of chemo, just like the red devil, the red yeah. devil. Right. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. And Taxol is still awful. And Herceptin was easy in comparison. Even the Cadsyla that I went on that has still some chemo in it and had to do that for almost a year, that that nothing else, I feel strongly that nothing else from this point on will compare to chemo. Chemo for me still remains the, the hardest part, the hardest thing. Uh, second a very close second is radiation, I will say. Right. Um, yeah. Right. It was, it's, uh, and so, yeah, when I think back in the six months, and especially those times when I was getting adriamycin, there is this, like, I'm in the light, you know, like, there was, like, that tunnel, and then I'm like, and I'm like hey, hey, this is okay. I feel, mm-hmm. feel like myself, and, and I'm glad to be here. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Wow. wow. Um, that's an incredible story. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Oh, you're welcome. So I don't understand why you still look so luminous. And how does it make you feel when people say stupid shit like that to you? I know. I know. Okay, so I'll answer the second part. So when people say, because I do, you know, I've I've been having chemo weekly and I have people, I have, I've had different friends drive me to chemo because my husband can't take me because of work. And Mm so I've I've gotten that comment. They they say, you say, great. And I don't know how to take that only because I don't feel great, you know? And right. so, mm-hmm. and I guess in my mind, the assumption is like, I'm thinking, they're thinking that because I look great, that I, they expect me to look worse during treatment, or maybe I look better now than I did before my chemo treatment. So I, I, I don't, resp- I just say thank you, but I do wonder, I'm like, oh, what do you like how did I look like before and um and it just kind of makes me laugh like I'm just like okay but as far as what I do I I feel you know what I think has really helped me the last six months that Mm -hmm. I haven't had since even before my kids were born is that I get more rest right I mean you're Mm -hmm. during chemo treatment and just cancer treatment in general it's just I'm resting a lot because I'm forced to rest Right. And I'm someone that has done night shift work for over 20 years. Wow. And I think that 
could get to you. It can get to me. I, and so I probably did look really tired before all of this. <laughs> um, and I mean, I look back at pictures and I was definitely tired looking, but I thought that was, you know, kids and night shift work, but it was probably cancer. Um, and so I think I definitely have a lot more rest, even though I don't get a restful sleep because I do still have my night shift that happened all night. Um, I have more rest now than I ever did before. Yeah, that is so true. And really good moisturizer, (laughs) cream, right? And a good pencil for like to fill in those eyebrows because none of these are real right now. I can't believe your eyebrows are not real. And I know no one can see this because this is an audio medium. Your eyebrows look fantastic. I can attest to that. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah, I, these are all drawn in. You know, I think that um, a lot of people will say, oh, you look great. And I think maybe because I think that the general public pictures in their head, people with cancer, someone who is like a sallow color, um, you know, not only no hair, but like, you know, sunken eyes with dark circles. Mm-hmm. Although I did definitely look like that, but, and I think, um, as for, for ourselves, many of us, and I didn't do this every day, but I would get up and I would get ready every day because mm-hmm. if I saw that woman's face with the way I looked without makeup and a beautiful bright color scarf and gorgeous lip color like what you're wearing you know I I might also you know have a little bit um you know maybe it made me feel better too and then I think that just from the outside looking in people are like oh well you look great you know I mean you've made that effort to to really put Mm -hmm. on that shining face. And I did that every day, not just for me, but also for my children. And I think that has a lot to do with it too. You know, as, as a mom, you want to not scare your children. Yes. That definitely was a motivating factor for me, like to, to just get myself up and to just get ready and to look the best that I can. Not, I mean, it's just, it's almost like getting ready gives me the hope that sometime during the day that I will feel better. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. tricking your own mind into belief. Yes. Absolutely. Fake it till you make it, girl. Yes. That's exactly. And I mean, still, there was a very small part of me that got pissed off that I was able to look healthy because I wanted everybody to know how shitty I felt. Right. Yeah. Walk into work with no makeup on and no head covering and be like, let's all talk about me right now because I feel like shit. Right. And I Without wanted, having to whine that they could just yes. tell. I just that wanted I was to struggle. Know. Yeah, I didn't want to have to go. I didn't have the effort. I didn't have the energy for that. Like I just want you people to pity me. And then I absolutely didn't want pity. It's a real Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. It's a real catch twenty two that whole situation but I mean for whatever it's worth nailing it so oh, and also you. you don't have to nail it 
you can look however you want right. and whoever that inconveniences can just shut their mouths. Yes. Yes. I don't mean your kids. I don't know your kids. I bet they're great. Uh, <laughs> I mean, adult persons. Yes. Yes. Um, last thing that I want to ask you, and I don't think I gave you any warning about this question. So sorry about that, but it's just occurring to me, like you're in it right now. And I think the farther you get away from that point in time, like that struggle with chemo, I feel like my brain at least kind of rewrites some of the reality of what it was like. And I think it does that as a protective mechanism. And I think it's part of the, the trauma yeah, of yeah. it. Um, but right now you're in it and you're feeling all of it. And so I'm wondering if you have anything that you would say to someone who is just getting ready to begin this, like maybe they've just mm-hmm. been diagnosed. How, how are they going to get through this? How are they going to get to where you are, where you just have one left and it's been six months and it's been hell? Right. Right. I think what's helped me is probably just taking things moment to moment. And, and I, I don't do that perfectly because I am someone that looks ahead. I get very anxious and I want to know more information. But what I've learned with breast cancer is that it and the treatment that's involved is that, you know, they, you know, that's how they say like, oh, well, experiences will change you and you're going to grow from this. I don't I mean, I don't feel that way necessarily. I feel that cancer and the treatment has revealed things about myself, um, how I cope and how I respond and that has been helpful because as I, as I'm going through, as I'm moving through the process of treatment, I feel like as those things are being revealed, I'm being refined, I guess. And that's the only way that I can look at it. And chemo is hard. And you, and we've heard in your podcast how hard it is, but you get through it and I can't look for I can't look ahead too far I can only just be in the moment and I'm on I'm in it for the for for the ride I mean there's I can't I'm strapped in and Mm -hmm. and I could make it miserable by thinking really negatively or I could think negatively and just own it because I feel like that's a normal human response to like complaining and whining about the symptoms of chemo. So owning it, but also just kind of keep, just keep going and moving forward. I mean, that's the only way I think I got through. I couldn't dwell on it too much. I gave me, I gave myself that opportunity to, to whine and complain because that's a normal thing. But I also, had to just keep going and whether that was like getting ready every morning even if I didn't feel well Mm -hmm. trying to find moments of like joy sarcasm laughter I mean like that's that's how I got through it so basically giving yourself grace you know we're complicated you know cancer reveals a lot about ourselves and refines us and um, surrounding I think surrounding myself with supportive friends, friends and family that um, 
they don't have to necessarily have gone through what I've gone through, but give me that space to just be vulnerable and, you know, make in at the same time, just being really empathetic and, and giving, you know, make me laugh. You know, I, I feel like laughter really helps. Mm-hmm. I think that um, it brings a lot of like real honesty to the surface too. Um, and then also I know for me, I, I was less tolerant of things that I had allowed prior. And I think that that's, um, mm-hmm. it's very eye opening. Yes. Yes. It's, it, it, it changes us our, our perspective when you, when you're questioning or faced with your mortality, the things that maybe used to bother me before, I just sort of laugh at all of that because there's yeah. things like dealing with chemo or cancer that's really just so much worse. <laughs> Nothing really compares after that, honestly. Mm-hmm. I remember before, over the summer, that movie with the clown, It, came out. Oh, right. Yes. And yes. we went and we saw that in the theater. And I would have dreams about that fucking clown that it's with the creepy little teeth and even the name Pennywise is such a creepy name. Anyway, I would have these dreams and like I was I was low key kind of obsessing over it. And then and even like there was one time getting up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and I was just like, why am I feeling like scared, scared right now? I'm an adult woman. goddammit. it. But I'll tell you what, once I found out I had breast cancer, I was not that was not even a thing anymore. There is yeah. nothing that I watch now that scares me. It was like an immediate, I don't know what that is, but... It like desensitizes us to... Yes. Right? Nothing else is scary right now. No. With as scary as the, like, the idea of a global pandemic is, and as much as like I'm virulent and committed to taking all the necessary measures, I just... Nothing scares me the way that breast cancer did. So everything kind of pales in comparison. Right. No, no, that's exactly how I feel too. Well, Jade, thank you so much for talking with us and bringing your, I don't know. You just have like a light and I can like feel it over Skype, which is pretty amazing. And, um, just welcome. Thank you so much. Where thank how you. can people oh, oh, oh. find you on Instagram? Your um, uh, my Instagram account is um, degratia19. So D E I G R A T I A one nine. Yes, and it's excellent. And there's a link in your bio to your blog, which is a gift if no one has ever experienced that before. Thank you. Thank you for all you guys do too, as well. Absolutely. Oh my Any... gosh. <laughs> really? Does that include sitting in my closet and recording this? Yes. Of you? Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it takes a lot. Of, I mean, just the fact that you just started this. I mean, I would have no idea. I remember you saying that you, um, Jocelyn, that you did, you had no idea how to start this up, but you just oh, felt yeah. called to. I mean, 
even though you didn't feel like I think you described like you didn't feel equipped to it, but you just did it because you just felt called to. I think that's that's amazing. And, and you two are a blessing to everyone that listens. So I, I love it. And I enjoy you guys crack me up. I mean, God, Jade, you're going to do all of our commercials. Yes. If it takes off. Yeah. All our commercials. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I am there for you guys. I am your number one fan. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. Oh man. We need I'm to get t-shirt fan. just so I can send you. Yes. <laughs> I, I, okay. I would like a t-shirt. You would like a t-shirt. Yes. Okay. I have no idea how to do that, but I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> Yes. Well, I'll, I'll I'll help you. I'll figure it out. Yes. Let's do it. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to this. If anybody feels like, Hey, I could do this, then do it. And if anybody wants to be a part of this podcast, slip into my DMS. I'm around at breast cancer is boring. Happy to have you. That's it. Thank you. Thank you.